Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, Reno's in. Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Demond is here, steering the ship, Finley Toyota Studios. We're back in studio after a couple of shows out at Mountain West Conference Media Day. We'll have a conversation later in this hour, Adam, with Brady Hoke, who's always interesting uh, to talk to. And, man, I, I wrote him. I freaking wrote him. I was like, you son of a – you in San Diego State. Yeah, I didn't because I think, wow, the, the coaches really would love to go, if they're ready, if their program's ready, to a Power 5 and get all that money. Um, they don't have a lot of control. That said, they, shouldn't, they also shouldn't be saying, I have no idea what's going on. You, you have a general idea of what's going on. But we asked them about the conference and then also about um, – the uh, season on the way, because that was a very unusual San Diego State season a year ago where both basketball and football, they win close games because I think they – I don't know what it is. I, it sounds ridiculous. It's like, hey, we know we're going to win, and that just works. But it has over the years. Talked uh, themselves into it. It did. Well, there's a confidence in the way you operate down the stretch, you know, while other teams might lack a little bit of confidence. I think that's probably not the greatest analyzation <laughs> of it, but the, the results have been there last year. It was not. They, they blew a, a couple of games and – it was not good, and they finished at 7-6 uh, and six and 5-3 and three in conference. All right, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. Yesterday was such a massive day in the D.C. area, and we had talked about this a little bit on Cofield and Company, that uh, those of us around the country who don't know or, you know, aren't, you know, whatever, Redskins, WFT, Commanders fans over the years, we don't understand it unless we've been through something where you just have a horrific owner and then you're finally freed from that ownership and then you get a better owner. But, I mean, no one's been worse. He's a horrific human being on so many fronts. No one's been worse than Dan Snyder. It's just been miserable. Okay, now they got a new owner in place. Has he already started to ingratiate himself with the fans who were turned off by Snyder pretty early? It sounds like it. Uh, at least he made one gesture and – by the way, it's a gesture that obviously you're going to get a lot of credit for, but that's okay when you're you're following up such, such a bad person who couldn't do anything even that, that would beg you uh, for positive attention. He would never do the right thing. So Josh Harris calls in to a radio show in Washington, or he's a guest on the show, talking about buying the team and how excited he is, and they're broadcasting live from a big bar uh, just outside of D.C. in Northern Virginia. And Josh Harris said, I can't wait to get back there to celebrate. You know, I love Washington, my hometown. I can't wait to get there. But before I do, I'm just going to start by saying right now, next beer, everyone in the whole place is on me. Okay. There's apparently about a thousand beers. Because that's a lot. But that's like, say, almost $10,000 maybe with tip and tax and everything. Good. Do it. It's very. It's a very small amount of money compared to what he has and oh, what wait, he just paid for the team. No, no, no. Okay. No, I'm saying it's like in the long run, it's like, hey, that's a really, really cool thing, yeah. but it's a drop in the bucket for him, and it it's not only ingratiated those thousand people, but all these other people that are reading about it and hearing about it and seeing it on social media and like, wow, what a, what a change. Yeah, this guy's cool. What a change. Yeah, as opposed to the last guy who started charging us for parking and uh, admission to the freaking preseason. And I'm talking preseason practice. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of things that Josh Harris's group will do that they're not going to love. But at least it's like... Don't you believe they're going to be trying. really understanding, though? To a certain extent? Like yeah. just for He's going to have a grace period of a couple of years. Like yeah. Anything is better than the Snydog. I think so. 
It'll be easy things like you don't have to pay for practice anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> things that should happen anyway that are going to be just great moves. You know, we talked about this final day and for uh, Snyder as the owner yesterday with Xavier Pope, our attorney friend out of Chicago. And we had mentioned that the NFL uh, on the $6 billion sale was like, yo, $60 million. And he was saying, and I, I, when I read more about it, I was like, well, that's not a whole lot. No. Like for what they did, because I also think he probably built them out of money, the league. Yeah. More often than just one time. So they, sure. they, they, they wanted restitution on like, basically, I think it was like $53 million that he had withheld from the league. I mean, if they could actually find proof of how much more he possibly <laughs> had taken, because I don't want to get in legal trouble. And that's the problem with the NFL. They're probably like, let's just get some of the money back. Just wipe our hands clean to this so we don't have to go in lawsuits with this guy for the next 20 years. Oh, I'm sure. But I mean, he, what, what a freaking dirtbag. So think about it. If he's willing to steal from the other owners and hide money, as rich as you are, how many other horrendous things he did? Oh, and that, that's why the, the beginning of, and this is not a let's slam Dan Snyder because he's sure, gone, up be. yours, get out of here. But some of the allegations about sexual harassment and filming the cheerleaders, and I remember when a lot of that first came out, they were like, well, I mean, Snyder's not named. Oh, he was the head of the snake. Of course he was. And believe me, he. when you read more and more, you're like, what a freaking weirdo, creepy the, guy the Snide Dog was. You uh, you can't kick the fraternity out of the Snide Dog. It also tells you. It acts like a fracture. It, it tells you all you need to know about all these horrific and gross and awful things he did to people and what it takes for the NFL is, wait, he was stealing from us? Yeah. All right, you're out. Hey, that, you're taking I mean, our that's, money? That's annoying. Wait, but in terms there's of, 26 others of us who did that stuff. In terms of the difference between Snyder and Harris, like it would be the kind of thing where they would tell Snyder, hey, like you could put with a lot of goodwill. Just say you're going to buy everybody a beer. That'd be cool. And he's like, wait, what if we, instead of buying them a beer, got them to charge an additional $2 fee from everyone <laughs> to continue to you know put in my pocket? Like right, that's his. Right. That would be what Snyder, he That would be Snyder's first Yes. Thought. No goodwill without some profit. Yeah. Number three. Number three. Okay. This is insane. You guys both sent this over. Damon, what do you think at this point if this new owner, Josh Harris, comes in and he's like, you know what? This name sucks. We got to change it. Because they might change the name. They might go bye-bye from the commanders. Change it back to the football team. Easy peasy. What do you think? Well, as you know, Steve. Won't reveal too much, but I now have a very good source with the commanders. Um, oh, is that right? Good friends with Magic Johnson? No, no. I can take a guess, but I won't out his source. Um, That's cool. Oh, good. And I was texting with him about this. Is that right? It, so it. it could yeah, be him them. or her. I was texting with them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, and we're not doing, you know. Got me. Yeah. Uh, don't broaden or don't narrow the search for the person. I said, um, any chance that I can throw throw my idea out there to go back to just Washington football team. Oh, you want it? Yeah. Okay. Two for two. Two out of the three on the show on WFT. And the response from them, yep. not him or her, yeah. them, was, uh, I don't love the commander's name either. Said, but post Snyder, we have more to worry about than the name right now. Well, that says so a lot. <laughs> that, that says a lot. I think that there's... Uh, well, they're not going to change it now. No, uh, I, I think that there's other there's other more pressing things to take care of. But it does sound to me uh, there was more to the conversation. Sounds to me like there's going to be changes. At well, some point. this source could be great. Not that you're going to be writing a bunch of commanders 
items in the Las Vegas Review Journal, but can you imagine as they start to pull apart the books and everything else at the stadium and the facility, the stuff they find? Uh, what have they been hiding that has not been unearthed or hidden by the NFL in cooperation? A lot. <laughs> I'm sure a lot. And, and as they start taking over, I mean, I, I would imagine most of the books are on Dan Snyder's yacht somewhere being hidden from sure. investigators, but... Uh, whatever it is around, whatever whoever is in the organization still that's talking, I'm sure they're going to find out plenty. Number two. So the mom was on this yesterday. I just ignored him. I'm sorry. About the World Cup. Adam sends it in. It gets in the show. That's mean. But you guys both have a take on this. Uh, you both seem at least interested in the U.S. Women's World Cup. Well, the World Cup. U.S. The women's World soccer Cup. team. Sure. Yeah. Well, as you know, I mean, any event in the middle of the night, I'm in. Yeah. And they are the, are they a slight favorite? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's competition now. Okay. Although they got fairly, I'm not gonna say lucky. There, there's some good fortune in that the Spanish team is in kind of disarray, even though they looked pretty good last night. Um, they tried to strike against the coach, and the federation basically <laughs> told them shut up. Oh wow, <laughs> which was which was great. Uh, so there is you know, there, some of the competition potentially is not as strong as it maybe could have been. Uh, but yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it'd be fascinating to see how this plays out. But to me, I mean, it sucks. It sucks. I know it's another reason for it. But the U.S. game is actually at six o'clock tonight. Which I'm like, you hate that? Yeah, everybody else is playing at like midnight and three a.m. Give me those. Okay, well, the, rest I watched, of the, the rest of the country wants to see the game. I watched midnight. I watched three Eastern. No, that was it. my complaint with this tournament. It's like we're not going to be able to watch any of the tournament. What are you talking about? I've watched almost every game so far. I, I was watching. I was watching the New Zealand Norway game at normal people. The other night. It was great. Aren't going to be able to watch these games. All right. Well, I love it. I love middle of the night. Last night I watched uh, Spain just completely dismantle Costa Rica. That game started so it started twelve thirty, kicked off around one, made it all the way through. It was great. It was a fantastic game. Although Spain really stopped trying after scoring three goals in like eight minutes late in the first half, and they just kind of sat on the ball in the second half and didn't try. Uh, so that wasn't great. But I love middle of the night games. That's that's what I live for. It's fantastic. And you throw over throw open the uh, British Open on the other channel. Great. Their uh, U.S. is plus two twenty-five to win the tournament. Three seventy-five is next with England. I think France is six fifty. Yeah, England's, England's a pretty good team. So too. prohibitive favorite. Yeah, no, so bitter not, bitter disappointment if they don't come. Not favorite against the field though. They're still plus money. Yeah, they need they need to win this. They should for the good of female sports. I read stories a couple weeks ago that Megan Rapinoe was talking about. Um, this is gonna kind of. This will be the next level. This is going to kind of blow the lid off of women's sports. I countered with, I think that already happened this last season in college basketball, that Haley Van Lith, but, you know, especially Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark took women's sports in general to another level. So hopefully the U.S. women, they got to win. Can't be a runner-up. You can't be third or fourth place. Doesn't do anything. Sorry. In this country, when you're the favorite, you need to win. No team, men or women, has ever won three straight World Cups. Really? No. They're going to do it. Right? The men are counting on them because they need that money too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Top story. Number one. <laughs> All right, coming up, we're going to talk to Brady Hoke. But we get the news today, and um, I think a lot of people are going to read this and be like, what? Raiders first round selection on the pup list. Tyree Wilson, oh. defensive end, number seven pick on the pup list. Oh, boy. It's supposed to be immediate help when you take a guy in the top 10. Let's go. Now, the pup list before the season doesn't mean nah. you're screwed. It's kind of just buying time. Yeah. Well, what? 
first, what kind of time does it buy? Like, why can't Tyree Wilson just not be on the pup list? What does it allow the Raiders to do for roster? They got another body uh, in camp, which is what they'll do. I mean, it's not a huge deal, obviously, as you said. But, um, yeah, another guy that gets in some reps and takes some of the pressure off some of the other guys. But, really, they seem to believe there seems to be a strong feeling that he could be healthy for week one to play week one. We'll see. Look, there's a reason I I didn't think he was a top 10 pick in the first place. But there's a reason that he was looked at as a top three pick potentially Mm -hmm. and fell to the Raiders. There was the report on draft night that, and again, wasn't that Tyree Wilson wasn't healthy at the draft. The report was Tyree Wilson will never be healthy in the NFL. That was what was scaring teams off at the top of the draft. And And I thought thought your reaction after – the entire draft was really interesting because, come on, you weren't on the show at the time, so I'm not even sure that you know you were listening or probably doing something, right? Doing work for Q, which is important. I don't know why I said it that way, but you might not have heard it. Um, Adam came right out of the gates. He's like, they didn't do this draft for this year. We had him on the show. Th- th- yeah. th- this is Oh, yeah. that's a good point. He's on, on uh, Q's show all the time. I'm a great guest. Um, you are a great guest. guest. Co-host. <laughs> um, but you, you you came in, you're like, it's not for this year. No, it's for next They're year. drafting for the future. Well, yeah. I don't think a lot of Raiders fans have processed that. And when they see he's on the pup list, I'm sure they're melting down. When I saw it, I was like, I, I, that's what Adam said. Yeah. That's That was going to be a real possibility that he would not be ready for the beginning of the season. Yeah. And look, if, if he, I think they want him to be, they're still optimistic that he will be. Uh, I don't know that, he, I don't know that he will be. And I don't think they care. I think, as I said, this is for the future. Wow. Okay. This part of the show brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada at 766-1400. Make sure you dial 775 in the north. Yeah, big football talk and media days here in Las Vegas. Uh, we caught up with Brady Hope, the San Diego State head coach, who's in a weird position. Uh, the school is coming back to the Mountain West Conference for at least another year. They're also changing the division format to just one mega conference. And I was asking him, hey, do the coaches actually care about the league going from two divisions to just one big league? I don't think so. You, you know, I I don't think so. And, and you know, I, I've been associated, you know, with this conference in 2009 2010 when TCU and uh, BYU and uh, Utah were in the conference so you know I I, I thought uh, that was a hell of a conference and I think we got a hell of a conference now with uh, uh, what we've done and, and you look at you know 2021 uh, the cup that the 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 Mount West won for the most bowl wins it, you know speaks volume for what kind of competition we have okay so you're in a unique position at this media day everyone wants to talk about conference realignment i don't know how much coaches are involved you at least have some finality on what's going to happen this year i have no idea what's going to happen next year does it matter to you right now this season Uh uh-huh right at least least being settled right not having angst around the the conference is that yeah does that matter to the football coach uh you know it, it does i mean we got a great conference we got great coaches you know Barry being here now, uh, he, uh, um, him, and my brother uh, coached at Missouri while he was there, and uh, it's uh, you know it's a good group of guys, good coaches, guys who uh, I think the integrity of the league, and I think guys are in for you know doing it for the right reasons. Brady Hoke is with the San Diego State. Um, well, let's talk about what could be in the future, just from benefits to a program, right? You were at Michigan. Yep. From a resource standpoint, like how much can it change if there is a jump to Power Five? From a resource standpoint, 
Because money I, is a big I, deal in this arms race. Oh, there's no doubt. And uh, obviously, you know, I've been at Tennessee, I've been at Michigan, I've been at Oregon, been at Oregon State. Uh, you know, all, all those programs, you know, at the Power Five love and some, you know, when, when you talk about Tennessee and Michigan, you're talking about uh, in Oregon, you're, you're talking about three um, teams that can pretty much uh, catch, you know, catch a check for whatever was that whatever's needed. Right. And, and so there's there's a difference. There's no question about it. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we're never going to be on the equal footing. You know, uh, I, I don't think we are in this league, you know, right now. Uh, because some people have a little bit more than others, and that's just the way it is. But you know, it's uh, I, I, you know, being in this conference for the second time, I think this is no doubt one of the we're one of the six power conferences. Or I know we're not called that, but we're we're, we're that good. I mean, it's uh, the depth. The tradition, it's a bear on the road in a, in a lot of these spots, especially for yeah. you know places like Vegas and San Diego State, having to go possibly to inclement weather late in the year. The other tricky thing is uh, if I'm a kid and I'm being recruited by you know the Pac-12 and, and San Diego State or the Big 12 and San Diego State, um, if a parent or a kid is like, hey, uh, you guys are going, right? What do you tell them? What do you like? What do you tell a kid? I'm not like, telling them anything. You just, you just back up and you're like, I don't know where we're going to be. You know, this is why you want to come here. This is where we are now. Yeah, you know, uh, we we've uh, you know we we got a lot of that. And when things would come out, you know, I don't know, uh, Dan Patrick. You know, there was something that you know it comes out, and our kids are smart, and their parents are smart. You know, and so you know we. We're just honest with him, and I, I'm honest with him. I, I have no idea. You know, this is an uncontrollable uh, uh, for me, and so, uh, you know, we, we we just reported what we heard. Let's talk about last year before we get to this year. Last year was interesting. You finished 7-6, and six, you go 5-3. and three. Um, I was down there at the UNLV game. I'm on the broadcast team, and as I watched the game, I thought of something I, I always ask you guys. Uh, and I'm, when I say guys, you and Dutcher, right? Yeah. There's something with the football program and the basketball program in tight games. There seems to be an attitude. We win these games. We're going to win this game. And you deliver. And you got the job done in the UNLV game. You ran it down their throats. I think it was Armstead. It was yeah. just carry after carry. But there were other spots during the season where it was a little un-San Diego State-like uh, sure. in terms of finishing off games. What do you think the difference was? Well, I, the biggest one, you know, is the Fresno game. I mean, how – how that transpired at the end of the game and give Jeff and his kids in, in Fresno State a lot of credit. Um, I, th- You know, Jesse, Jesse Matthews, God bless him, he's one of the greatest kids I've ever coached. He drops a punt. He never does that. And then the onside kick, that's all we have to do is recover the ball. Shavers, I don't know. It never happens. And so, you know, it, it – uh, and I would say this. I would say the bowl game, you know, we didn't finish the way we needed to also. I mean, and so um, those are things that we, we talk about and, and uh, we'll address a lot in fall camp. I almost feel like at some point the odds will work against you. But that, but I don't yeah. think that's the case because I think you got in both of the programs, you win close games, you have that attitude because of what you got in place. So yeah. that really is an anomaly that, um, you know, those games fell the way they did. Uh, quarterback this year, um, 
I mean, Maiden is a crazy story last year. You got you guys need a quarterback, and then you have a guy on the roster who's got the background as a quarterback. Talk about his growth throughout the season, yeah. and now the jumping off point from here. Well, there's no question. You know, um, him playing 48 uh, plays on defense the week before, uh, and then coming over as a safety, and then coming over and being uh, in the quarterback room. Um, you know, speaks volumes for him and who he is. Um, really, this will be the first time that uh, our guys will be in Ryan Lindley's offense. Uh, super excited about having Ryan. You know, you're, you're, you, I coached him in 09 and 10, and he's kind of like a son to you, you know, as your players are. So it's been neat to see his growth and uh, our conversations and, and how he coaches the quarterbacks. And I think that's going to have a huge uh, difference in where we're at as a football team and how Maiden has taken uh, what Ryan has, has taught and, and run with it. Do you have a, enough of an offseason with spring and then the work you can do during the summer and then fall camp? to install a Lindley offense, uh, I'll ask you how much different it's going to be, but install it and have everything ready to go at the beginning of the season, or do you still have to grow throughout the season? I, I Well, you know, we have three uh, home games in a row. Um, that, that would be nice in game-type situations, right? Um, but what I really like is where we'll be and what we've done. Uh, what our guys have done in the in – the, uh, the summer has really been awesome. I thought we had a good spring. Uh, we've had a really, really good summer, and so we're excited about it. I'm excited about uh, where we're at. You had some changes on the coaching staff beyond Lindley. Um, Hunky Cooper is back now here in Las Vegas. Yeah. And then you added two former Rebel assistants, so why'd you uh, make the move uh, with the two coaches? Well, uh, um Justin Inna went to BYU, and uh, it, it was funny. We went to uh, the convention, and I knew that there were two two guys that I was going to need to hire. And uh, uh, we went to the all poly uh, uh, meeting, and uh, uh, Boje, I was introduced to him. Uh, by a couple guys on our staff and uh, um, interviewed him a little bit, had some good conversations, and then came back and then brought him in. And uh, I couldn't be more thrilled with his his passion for the game of football and uh, and his passion for coaching kids. And then Jonathan, you know, he he has done an, an an excellent job uh, with not a whole lot of um, guys that you know had to learn a lot and have to learn a lot, yep. and so uh, at that position, so they, they've done a great job, uh, both of them. I I, I can remember I, I talked to uh, 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 the head coach, and I forgot uh, Marcus. Arroyo. Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Marcus, yeah. and he said. Those two guys are really, really good coaches, yeah. and you can you can see it. Yeah, Bojay's good. I thought he changed the culture of the defensive line group here at UNLV, and he's not only passionate but as a communicator. Like I, 
I, I'm really big. I work the sidelines, so I'm really big on, on watching the different units. Yeah. And, man, his communication, um, like a combination of intensity, but also let's all freaking calm down because, you know, the defensive line, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And you play yeah, so yeah. many offenses in this league. Like from game to game, you're like, we're trying to read. But, he, man, he's a great communicator in-game. Yeah. So that's a, a really good hire. All right. Last thing, let's talk about the schedule coming out of the gates. Yeah. This is pretty tough. You got Ohio. Um, you got Idaho State, and then all of a sudden you get this you know trio of games with uh, UCLA and Oregon State and Boise. Yeah, and you're kicking off the conference you know, right into the gauntlet. Right. Well, it, you know what? Um, I when when people ask me and when the conference when schedules come out, I don't get too worked up. We got to play the games. We got to prepare. We got to have a great fall camp, and then we got to play the games. You know, Ohio University is a damn good football team. And, you know, the MAC conference, I have a lot of pride in because that's where I came from. But it, they're damn, they're always physical. They're going to be tough. They got a quarterback who was lights out. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm staying on Ohio U right now. Yeah. How much of a difference does the stadium make now? You know, you, obviously you were bouncing around a little bit there from this super old stadium in Qualcomm and then, you know, the, the, the stop off just north. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a cool stadium. I, yeah. I was really impressed. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it's helped a lot. I think uh, recruiting, uh, we benefited with, with the stadium. So it, it's all something that we're real proud of. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's a fun place to coach, fun place to play. Back and forth. Our coverage of Pac-12 Football Media Day today and the last two days at Mountain West Conference Football Media Day. There's so many good stories as we get ready for the season. And you see in the Pac-12, the rosters are dotted with guys from Las Vegas. And uh, Eddie U, as you'll hear Willie Ramirez call him here, uh, Ulu Foscio, uh, Bishop Gorman player. Didn't really have offers coming out of uh, high school. 6'1", 234. He's a freaking truck, and he's expected to have a monster season. He was repping Washington today, and uh, Willie caught up with him. Uh, here's Willie at the start of the convo, and uh, Eddie U has some messages for people out there who uh, feel like, hey, they're not getting their break. Keep fighting. And we are at Pac-12 Media Days, and we are talking to local product, Eddie U, Horace Gorman product, now entering his sixth year, sixth year. at UW, Washington. Um, first off and foremost, just, you know, where you come from in terms of being a walk-on, right, and coming out of Gorman with such a prestigious group that you graduated from, uh, graduated with, two offers, how far you've come. Now here you are representing the the dub. You know, it's, it's very humbling, you know, just uh... – coming from a place like that and just uh, to see what I accomplished. But I think going to Gorman was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me just because I knew what it took, you know, to get on the field. Because it's not easy to get on the field at Gorman. So to be able to fight and compete at such an early age and kind of understanding those type of principles kind of made my transition to college really easy. Uh, just basically because I already knew what I wanted. I knew that I had to do the above and beyond already going in so it kind of made it like a sweet transition like I always had the work ethic because that was instilled in us you know at a very young age when we talk about those Gorman days right and you see what a lot of your former teammates have done and are doing and, and you look back and you and you see hey Tony Sanchez was coaching at UNLV yeah. not even an offer D does that resonate with you D does it drive you does it still motivate you where's your headspace with that oh, every day every single day it motivates me but you know like they had their reasons, and uh, I mean, I, at the end of the day, like, I'm happy that I'm here. But it, it definitely hurt not having offers, especially having a teammate like EA and being so decorated and stuff. But it was never any animosity or anything like that. It's just like I 
wanted success for myself as much as I wanted it for my brothers. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think I wouldn't have it any other way because it just made me more hungry to get what I wanted you know, at such a young age and just be more uh, relentless and aggressive to get it. So I don't take any hatred towards it, but it's just one of those things that just helped made me who I am today. You're there laying the foundation for a lot of the kids up and coming. That's got to make you proud. It does. I mean, I just, it's one of those things that we kind of talk about to this day where it's just like we, we really uh, carried and elevated this program to great lengths. And, you know, it's not just our class, it's the classes above us before, like with Tate and Bubba and Haskell. They, you know, had like great, tremendous college careers. And, you know, it always just motivated us to just like, okay, like he did this this, this Saturday. Okay, next Saturday, I'm going to ball out and show out. So it's just, you know, once you go to the G, you know, it's a it's a brotherhood. You know, we all rooting for each other, like the two branch brothers, you know. I know I didn't play with them, but, like, I always I want them to be super successful except for one particular week. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm always, you know, giving them advice and stuff like that. So You have a, a guy named Michael Penix who might be just as good, if not better, than Caleb Williams, some may say, obviously, in the Seattle area. Um, is that an, another – add another chip to, to your guys' shoulder, just in general, all the hype surrounding USC, knowing what you guys have in Seattle? It's one of those things where, like, we obviously know that's going to be a big game, and it's a big game because we're both in it. But we both got to understand that our schedule is tough from the get-go. Like, we play a Boise State team, which you know is always up there as one of the best teams in the uh, – in the Mountain West, and, you know, Tulsa is always a very competitive team, and then Michigan State, you know, that team speaks for itself, and then everybody in the Pac-12 is always competitive. Uh, I always feel like there's no cupcakes in the Pac-12, because every team can get beat at any week. As you saw last year, how we got beat by ASU, you know, so it, we can talk about uh, we can talk about USC, but, like, we have, like, ten, like eight games before that that could easily beat us, so it's just more so about getting getting the work done and making sure that we make that a big game because if we go in there and then we're like, what, four and four, it's not that big. But if we do our job, then that game will be as big as we want it to be. Damn, let's do it. About eight days away from a super fight here in Las Vegas in the boxing ring. But before all that, we got to talk about crooner extraordinaire Al Bernstein, who is with us. Al, of course, hosted a show here on ESPN Las Vegas for a long time. How are you, sir? Hey, I am good. How about you? We're good. We're good. Adam Hill is here. We're fired up. We're getting ready for Spence and Crawford next week. But uh, I've become a bigger, bigger fan as I get older. I don't know what that means about me. Of uh, the crooner style. And uh, <laughs> you, you have a big show coming up next Thursday. By the way, are you doing two shows? That's a lot of, stra- that's a lot of strain that? on the points. What do you think of that? So tell everyone about this. This is really cool. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. You know, I, I do a lot of music over at the Tuscany uh, Casino and in the Piazza Lounge, which is a real wonderful spot for music here in Las Vegas. And on Thursday night, as kind of a kickoff to the fight weekend, I'm going to be doing a music show over there. Um, like I Just like I used to do back in the 80s when I started doing it before the... Uh, the first time was the Hagler Leonard fight, believe it or not. And then I did it a bunch of times at Caesars Palace. Then at Mandalay Bay, we did a version of the show uh, in the 2000s. And I said, you know, we got to revive that. So we're going to do uh, two shows, one at 8 o'clock, one at 9.30. But people can come at any time during it. They don't have to wait. There's no cover charge. And, uh, and we're going to do music. And we are also going to do a, a section like my old boxing party show where we're going to have uh, uh, – Trivia and give prizes away, nice. Showtime prizes, 
uh, two tickets to an upcoming Showtime match. So we're going to have a lot of fun. I imagine we may see a tribute to Tony Bennett. I mean, what a yeah, what a interesting loss. you're saying. Yeah, interesting you're saying that. Of course, he passed away today. One of the songs that I'm singing, I'm singing is with uh, Selena Sasso, who's my guest. Uh, she's a terrific uh, vocalist here in Las Vegas. We're going to do a duet of "But Beautiful," which is the duet that Lady Gaga, one of them, that she did with Tony Bennett, and that's going to be kind of a, a tribute to him. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, of course, the, everybody saddened at his passing. Fight week next week, but on the Thursday, July 27th at the Plaza Lounge, Tuscany Suites, Al Bernstein, who's on the horn with us, is going to do two shows, 8 and 9.30. Over the years, Al, who uh, do you like to cover the most? Like, who do you feel most comfortable emulating when you sing? Who, who are the voices you love? You know, here's the thing. I am... For the most part, I do the Great American Songbook, obviously. But, and I love that. So I love doing all the Great American Songbook. But the other thing I have in the last, in recent years, I'll tell you, this is funny. Of course, I know the first thing you think of when you think of a blues artist is me, correct? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, that's the first right, yeah. first name that pops into your head. So, <laughs> so let's. Lately, I've been doing a lot more blues, and on this show, we've got about four or five blues doing, so I'm really enjoying that. Nice. Very nice. All right, well, you know, this is what we look for in boxing, right? We want the super fights. Uh, we want guys who have the, uh, the O's and one must go. And So talk about the setup mm-hmm. to this fight and the lead-up to the fight, and then we can start a, you know, kind of breaking down the fight between Spence and Crawford. Yeah, listen, this is a fascinating fight, and, and of, of all the pay-per-views I've announced, this is this one's very high on the list. Um, I'm really excited to be ringside calling this fight. It's you know we have two men who are both still at the top of their game. They both performed very well in their recent fights. They have styles that are slightly different. Spence, a come ahead, aggressive, body punching machine who puts relentless pressure on you. Terrence Crawford, when you look in the dictionary and see the phrase boxer puncher, his picture is next to it. You know, he is the epitome of that. He, he has great movement. He is a terrific counterpuncher and punches with power, especially when he's counterpunching. And, of course, we saw him stop uh, Sean Porter in his last fight, albeit some people feel like, you know, maybe the stoppage from the corner was premature. But whatever the case, he had Porter in trouble and he showed his power. So... These are two fighters that get it done in slightly different ways, and I think that's part of the reason that this is such a fascinating fight. Spence's road has been a little bumpier, though, right? He's had some issues that he's had to deal with away from the ring that has uh, yes. kept him a little less active. Yeah, well, the, the terrible car accident, a perfect example. He's had two real long layoffs due to the car accident and then an injury, and so he has had a little... There's been more time where I think, you know, from a physical standpoint, he had some issues. But um, he got it together uh, in his last fight against Yardena Sugas. He was superb. uh, And Ugas is a very good fighter. Uh, So he's, you know, he's kind of gotten most of that, I think, behind him. There's no question, both these fighters, everybody that's seen them, you know, including me, in in their gym and in workouts, they are both in hip-top condition, and somebody made an interesting point. Stephen Redman Edwards, who's a, a trainer and a, and a wonderful uh, um, columnist for Boxing Scene and, and on other places, made the point, 
these are two fighters that we would almost like to see back in the heyday of 15-round fights because, well, they're both, they both have terrific um, uh, durability. They might not even settle the issue in 12 rounds, you know? Uh, that's, that's how good they are both and how much of a struggle this match is going to be for, for each of them. Al Bernstein's up on Cofield and Company, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Big fight weekend next weekend, next Saturday. It's a Showtime pay-per-view. Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. Um, I have one more thing to break down with Crawford, but I also want you, if you have the information, I don't know if you guys have released your whole roster. I think Showtime pay-per-views are amazing because of the roster. You're on the fight. You've got talented guys around you. But in the pre-fights, there's usually a cast of characters. Have they finalized all the contributors yet? Um, you mean, uh, other than, you mean on the broadcast? On the broadcast, yep. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I don't know. Okay. Who, uh, other than our broadcast team, to be honest with you, I don't, uh, I don't know who else is going to be. I know we, we often have a, a, a fascinating group. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. Uh, our buddy Ariel Hawani has been on some broadcasts in the past and then some other characters. Yeah, he's, and... he's on there and I, yeah, I don't know this. Okay. It's probably, you know, the problem is I probably don't have the, um, a clearance to get that information, Steve. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll we'll get an email on it early next week. And in addition to uh, pushing your tremendous shows at uh, Tuscany, we'll get the information out there. But it's always an entertaining group. Uh, Adam? Yeah. I mean, no matter who's on it, we know it's going to be a great broadcast. You guys do such a good job no matter what the fight is. Although not everybody agrees. Dana White said you guys don't do a good broadcast. I was very confused I saw by that. that. You know, I was, I was actually disappointed in that. I like Dana, and I have a good relationship with him, and he is – you know, my history of the caring place with uh, Lotus and with ESPN Radio goes way back. And Dana, you know, raised tons of money for the caring place, uh, the, you know, the foundation my wife co-founded and I co-founded along with uh, her oncologist. And he made a lot of money for us, and I've always appreciated it. I was disappointed he said that because, honestly, I, I just don't think it's true. Number one, I, you know, I feel like we, we do a very good job with the production. And... Um, you know, I think there are probably other things at play there, but you know, I, what can I say? I'm I'm yes. kind of proud of what we do. Yes. I, I I doubt if if uh, we told him Al is on there, he'd be like, "Well, okay, I take it back." I'm sure there's, other, there's something else that's got <laughs> no, I, some created some angst. I, I you know, like I say, we have a good relationship. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I do think that was an untoward comment. How should I, is, that, is that a good way to put it? Yes, yes. Yeah, you know what? Put down the phone, Al, because when you get going on Twitter, look out. <laughs> let's not let's not get into a beef with Dana. By the way, your uh, your Twitter handle has gotten uh, more and more entertaining over the years. I feel like just watching you, you feel more freedom to just you know what. If you need to go off, Al Bernstein is going to go off. You know, it's so uncharacteristic, isn't it? It, it the fu- Twitter has well, been kind of an odd thing for me because you know I fashioned a whole career for what twenty five thirty years uh, more even. I mean, now it's been a long time. Of of not being that guy, and I tell you what, now I'm a little more opinionated, huh? Well, I think you're always opinionated. I'm not sure that you put it out on Twitter. That's the thing. Well, so, maybe that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's good stuff. I want to get your take on this opinion with the big fight coming up, uh, Spence and Crawford. I saw Keith Thurman, who you know, uh, you know, fights fought in that same area. He said that Spence is going to get a little wake up call because he's never fought an athlete like Crawford. Do you understand that? Yeah, I think what he means by that, and I don't know. Uh, I'd have to go down every list, you know, think about that in a certain context. But I think what he means by that is Terrence Crawford has 
this amazing ability in the ring to control geography, which is one of the keys to victory that will be in on the broadcast, control the ring and, and use his, his physical, uh, his movement and his, and, and his physicality in that way to control what's happening in the ring. And, and uh, you're not going to see too many fighters like that. So it's conceivable, uh, you know, that Thurman might have a point about uh, Errol Spence not seeing someone exactly like him that could well be true. But I'm going to reverse that also and say I'm not sure Terrence Crawford has faced a fighter that can put on the kind of pressure that Errol Spence does or, or has not faced as physically strong a fighter because Crawford came up in weight. Um, you know, has come continually up and wait. However, Thurman's comment is not inaccurate. Okay. Uh, Showtime pay-per-view begins at uh, 5 o'clock. I'm actually reading one of the emails I just got at 4.08. Uh, The pay-per-view countdown show begins at 3. They do not list who the host of that are yet, Al. So you're on the money on that one. I wish I could. I feel bad that I can't provide you with that information. We weren't looking for breaking news. I thought it was out there, but uh, they're finalizing their list. Uh, Maybe the most important detail for us as kind of beefy guys, the uh, media meal will be starting at 3.30 and running through 5.30. You you have your priorities straight. Well, sometimes. um, I'm not one of the real animals. I've seen some people out there just run roughshod over the media meal. (laughs) And actually, I was at Pac-12 Media Day today at Resorts World. Beautiful property. They had a nice spread. And I actually thought back to... For me, the glory era of boxing at the uh, media sessions, the media meals, I swear Don King used to have, like, a good beer sponsor. And you would just get, like, you'd walk over after a fight and you could get, like, Schlitz malt liquor. Uh, He seriously had beer (laughs) for the media. But I think, you know, the way we behave now, it's like, you know, let's not have a drink. We're uh, we've gotten a little – we're more – more ruffians now, you know. Ah, uh, you think it perhaps, uh, yes. and so they're so they're doing away with some of that. Uh, well, I was just going to do a back in my day. Back in my day, Al. Oh, I like that. Very good. I'm hey, old. hey, and I'm a lot older than you, so you're doing the the angry old man thing. Uh, well, I've I've also heard some good stories about Al Bernstein around Las Vegas, and I, I don't think Al was a back in my. Day. I think Al enjoyed Las Vegas. So we're we're glad you're doing well, Al. Uh, one more well, time. Yeah, let's put it this way: yeah. the '80s were fun in this town. I know. I've, I've, I, you know, I wasn't old enough to be here at the time. I got here in the yeah. mid '90s. That was, that was quite a, quite an era yes. uh, here. But and you know what? Speaking of that, now yeah. I, I know you got to go. I, this fight harkens back to that, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean the the welterweights and the the 140s were always a glamour division. Sure. 54 as well, 160. Uh, one more time, uh, give a pop for you. Got uh, two shows going down at the Tuscany next week. Yeah, thank you for mentioning it. That's very nice of you. Yeah, Thursday night, we're going to be doing a music show, giving prizes away. Uh, at Tuscany Hotel, Piazza Lounge, uh, 8 o'clock and 9.30 shows, but come anytime during that. No cover charge. We're going to have a lot of boxing celebrities there and uh, some fun music and uh, lots of prizes. Looking forward to it, Al. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. You guys, very nice to visit with you guys again. There he is, Al Bernstein. Wonderful man. Was a uh, real good host here uh, back in the day. Uh, kind of gave uh, Mitch Moss, who's now on VSIN, was a you know afternoon drive and midday guy for us for a long time. Kind of gave Mitch, you know, one of his uh, on air. Not that he made the decision, but Mitch was so Mitch uh, Mitch along comes with, the, with Al Bernstein hosting tree, right? Like JVT's in mind. Yes, you claim yeah. uh, JVT, and I'm you know Demond's on his way to big things. So Demond apparently, um, you know, you've only done like three shows with Adam, but you know, three years from now when you're hosting somewhere, you will be part of the tree. Just so you know, he's going to claim only it. if he's good. Ooh. Okay. Cast some doubt there. 
You cast a little doubt. I all will right. deny it all. I introduce, man. I don't. Adam's my nemesis. What are we talking about? I, like, I can't. I, I like that he did. He did like what three years with Q, but he's part of your tree now. 